0: Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-Op Shop, your one-stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the One Stop Co-Op Shop podcast. This is Mike, by myself today, well not by myself, with an awesome special guest. We have another YouTube content and playthrough creator, Derek Daniel from Kanji Studios.
1: Hey, how's it going, everybody?
0: Going great, Derek. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. So Derek's going to, uh, we're going to talk about Kanji Studios, talk about his content, and just kind of discuss content creation in general. But also, we've both been playing a lot of Dark Souls, the card game. I think you just had another video on your channel, another live stream uh, a few days ago, right?
1: Yeah, I, I call it Dark Souls Sundays. So every Sunday, I play Dark Souls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and I've been uh, been playing it a bunch. Uh, By the time this podcast goes up, I think uh, my videos will be up as well. So, yeah, you can see a lot of Dark Souls, the card game, being played. And we're going to do a review of that. We'll throw Derek into our review style, see how he does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so Derek, uh, we like to start off just kind of getting to know our guests. So... How do you get into gaming? How do you get into content creation? Are you a Dark Souls fan? You know, just easy questions. <laughs> whichever one you, uh, whichever uh, one you want to start with.
1: I so most of my life I've been uh, the jock, where it's like I do sports, and it, that's it. I mean, I've been very cool with everybody in middle school, high school, college, even graduate school, and post and I never really played board games because the people I hung around at the time were like, no, we we go out, we hang out, we watch movies, we do these things but we don't play board games and um, one of my, it, it wasn't until later in life um, where I'm at my current job and one of my coworkers, a really great guy was just like hey, um, let's play a board game and in my mind that immediately went to Monopoly, right? And I was like, I don't <laughs> want to play Monopoly or categories or something like that, I just want to I, you know, I, let, let's just hang out and talk and whatnot. And so he's like, "What are you talking about? Uh, like that's kid stuff. Let, let me let's play a board game." So he brought Ascension to the table, and that was my first time ever playing, uh, and that I realized that I played an adult board game. My brother had Hero Quest. And I played one with him, and I had a blast. But I didn't; I thought that was like a one shot thing when I was a kid. <laughs> but um, so I played this game; I loved it. And then I started wondering, like, okay, well, what else is out there? So he's like, "Man, here, look," and he just, just starts naming off names like Quarriers, and um, he also named Dark Souls the board game, which he had backed at the time. And so I just started looking into it. Funny enough, I found um, I found the one stop co op shop. And I found their review of um, Darkest Night. And so uh, I was like, okay, let me check this out. I liked it. And then from there, it just spiraled into me buying board games. And then I found <laughs> Kickstarter and it was a wrap. <laughs> so that's how I got into it. And I've been doing that. Um, how I got into content creation. I, I said this on the on my um, Gloom and Kill 4 channel, but I'll share it here as well. So... Recently, last year, I suffered a heavy loss in my family. My father passed, and I didn't realize how much... I mean, I I love the guy, and we got along great, but I didn't realize how much until he was gone. And so I stopped board gaming. I just threw myself into doing work. I'm a coder, so I just code so I don't have to think and don't have to deal with it. And I messaged on a channel that uh, one of the guys was just saying, you know, if you're feeling down, play this game, and he was talking about Gloomy Killforth. And so... I said, okay, well, I, I don't know. But he's like, go ahead and play it. So I played that game. Well, first I watched a playthrough of it by um, uh, on on the One Stop Co-op Shop uh, channel because that was the only one I was watching at the time, funny enough. And so uh, then, I, then I got it and I played it. And because I could lose myself in the game, it made me feel better. It was cathartic, right? So it became like the game that I played to feel better. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, well... I don't have a huge gaming group around here to get into gaming. I've went to the meetups and stuff, but it's just really awkward. Um, even though the community is fantastic, it just wasn't there to pull in enough people to have enough time to play cons- with the consistency I wanted. So I, I started following uh, Rob's gaming table and I was watching that and I told them, and I asked them, okay, I'm thinking about doing this, but I don't know because I'm really shy. And um, Rob and his wife, who are great people, were just like, just do it. You, you, can't, you, you can't say, okay, you're, you're thinking about it, or you're going to get ready, or you might. Do it. Have fun with it. If you find you're having fun, it's something you enjoy doing. Keep doing it. Do another one. Do another one. And here I am, <laughs> Kanji, as Kanji from Kanji Studios, doing playthroughs of Jaws of the Lion and, and uh, you know Dark Souls and Proving Grounds and all that other stuff. So that's how I got into content creation. And what was the third question? Oh, man, I think it was... Uh, I, I'm just trying to grapple with everything you told
0: me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> sorry if I went a little crazy there. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that, that's what we like here. Uh, yeah, well, first, uh, sorry for your loss. I, I'm glad you found a nice outlet out of it, but that's 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 one of the roughest things, man. I'm yeah, so sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah,
1: and, and it, it did help. I mean, it was... When I play, when I play and I stream on my channel on um, Kanji Studios, I actually feel connected. It's it's me and a room with the smallest table you could possibly imagine. <laughs> um, I I play on a four by two a four by two table. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's super tiny. Not even a, I don't have a dinner table. I just have this this small little fold-out that I got a mat for and I play on, but. As I'm playing and I'm talking and I'm interacting with people just talking to me, it actually feels like they're there and it feels really good. Like just to be able to talk to them and just to say and laugh with them. They see something silly I did or if I mess up a rule, they just like, hey, you should have done this instead. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to do that. and Then I change it up. So, I mean, it it helps a ton. I, I love it.
0: That's great, man. I'm really happy to hear that. And just a, a really cool kind of experience with content creation. By the way, I do want to say uh, I'm, I'm going to have a link to your YouTube channel in the uh, sh- episode notes, of course. But for anyone listening, it's uh, Kanji, C-A-N-J-E Studios. Kanji, C-A-N-J-E, if you want to go and uh, look Derek up and check up his content. A lot of fun stuff on there. Uh, you've been doing Dark Souls, uh, Kill Forth. You said Jaws of a Lion as well. Yeah, I had
1: a I had an exuberant campaign this afternoon actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Peter who often does the podcast episodes with me, he's got his copy and I think I'm supposed to borrow it whenever I can
1: pry it from his dead fingers, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a fun game. It's like it was a lot of fun. Um this I'm on scenario I'm moving on to scenario 5 and while, um you know, real life has, I have to take care of my son. So him and I hang out a lot. I make sure that he has a, a lot of love and attention. And um, then there's work between that. I can, I'm able to, I'm able to stably do three uh, streams a week.
0: Wow, man. That's great. and <laughs> I love, uh, so so again, just for those listening, we're going to do kind of a discussion about content creation at the end. This will be even even more interesting conversation because both of us have uh, children and just kind of how that works <laughs> with this whole <laughs> content creation and like scheduling. Oh, man. But uh, the third question I-, I do remember, it was uh, what's your experience with Dark Souls? Because I uh, I'm a big, big fan of the Souls games. I never played Demon Souls, but uh, one, two, three and uh, Bloodborne love all of those uh, have you played the video games at all? Or are you just like kind of a fan of the uh, the board and card game?
1: Um, I'm a fan of the board and card game. My uh, co-workers, they are amazing fans. The guy who got me into board gaming, gaming with Dark Souls 3 came out. He took a day off work to go play it. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it, just to let you know, they are huge fans of the game. What got me into the game itself, though, is the lore. I'm a huge lore nerd. I love In depth stories and wonderful, wonderful lore that that comes from anything. Um, I'm that guy that when World of Warcraft first came out, I was in the Scarlet Monastery library actually reading the books on the (laughs) shelves. Yeah, I did that. I did yes, that.
0: You, 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 made some, uh, <laughs> you made some copywriter very happy. <laughs> you know? It's like I'm yeah. the only player to ever read that tome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, if there was an achievement for it, I would have had it. I, <laughs> I love a really dense story. That's why I like Sanderson. Um, I like Jim Butcher. I like. Uh, Robert Jordan, because, you know, the Wheel of Time series is immense. Um, Oh, my gosh. Dude, dude,
0: I I just got to pause you for a second. You literally named, like, three of my favorite. (laughs) 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 Like, I I am a huge, huge Dresden Files fan. Like, that's one of my favorite series of all time. Um, And then uh, Sanderson, I've read, uh, I think, all of the Mistborn, including, like, the the cowboyish kind of, like, second series. And, uh, oh, man, and all... I've read a bunch of Sanderson. I don't even know. And then, yeah, we, Wheel of Time, I read all of that. So, yeah,
1: I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. So anything that is Lord lore-dense, I am huge into. It's the reason why Kickstarter keeps taking my money because <laughs> – I, i'm here like with old sworn coming out it looks to be a dead story i am all about that life i'm that, so
0: excited for a sword <laughs>
1: so, so, that, so, so yeah. you're
0: that you're that guy they do the updates with like the backstory of the characters for right you're like oh yeah <laughs> tell me about kagarn and his uh, revenge upon his father <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i am that guy they would they would when they build it and someone asks them in the boardroom, who's going to read this? I'm going to read this.
0: <laughs> great, man. So Derek, we are going to do a review of Dark Souls, the card game. And I realize I don't want to make the assumption uh, for those who don't know, Dark Souls is a video game series began with Demon Souls created by From Software. Uh, it's often regarded as one of the toughest series in gaming. Uh, the basic idea is you're adventuring around this dark fallen world You uh, collect souls by defeating enemies. You use those souls to level up. But if you die, you leave your souls behind and you have to like get back to your own body to collect them again. You fight these giant bosses. There's, as Derek mentioned, tons of lore that can get very complicated if you dig deeply into it. And yeah, that's kind of Dark Souls in a nutshell. But we're talking about Dark Souls, the card game. Uh, Steamforged, I think it is, games made uh, both a board game and a card game in this system. Uh, The card game came out, I don't know, three years yeah. ago, maybe about three years. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do a little review of it. Uh, Derek, I know you're familiar, but for those who are listening for the first time, welcome. Our a little structure here for our reviews is we're going to talk about the five things that stick out to us the most about the game. Uh, could be good, bad, whatever you have in between. And, uh, just to give kind of an overview of the game, It's a little bit of a deck builder. It actually reminds me, uh, Derek, you ever played Pathfinder Adventure Card Game?
1: No, I haven't played that one yet, but I've been looking at it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You might want to check it out because uh, this is a lot like that without the dice. So each character uh, starts with a uh, unique deck based on their character class they choose. And that deck is your life. So you'll have a hand of cards, and you'll go through a series of encounters fighting uh, randomly drawn enemies on this like little tactical grid map where you can move between a few spaces and the enemies uh, are on a few different spaces. And you'll play cards from your hand to block their attacks. You have uh, both items that kind of do attacks and defense. And you have these uh, stamina cards in different colors that let you power those items. Like you have to discard X amount of yellow stamina to attack with your big great hammer or whatever so you're trying to defeat the enemies before they defeat you. If you defeat them, you get items and you get souls. Uh, and then you go back to the bonfire. Basically, you have five rounds of the game. And each time you go back to the bonfire, that ends one round. Or if you get defeated, you automatically go back to the bonfire and lose some of your souls and items. And so you uh, level up with the souls, getting stronger stamina. You level up with the items, getting more items. And the key of the game is eventually you got to fight in these uh, much bigger battles, two bosses. Uh, you can either use the preceded ones on the board or put them uh, together in your own way. And that's kind of the basics of the game. Uh, there's two expansions for it. Uh, one of them's is a little bit easier to find than the other. <laughs> I found uh, looking online, but that's the gist of it. Uh, Derek, any important details I left out?
1: Um, no, no. The, the two expansions definitely adds um, more to the game. So the base game, just like Mike said, it's, it's, it's that build out and just fighting monsters. But, with Forgotten Past, they add lovely little things like traps and environmental cards effects that mess with you. Um, and then with uh, Seekers of Humanity, they make it even more fun by adding mini-bosses. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, the, uh, the invaders, right? Yeah, the invaders. And, and uh, oh. Armored Dennis, who followed me and killed me terribly last Sunday. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, Derek, I'm really glad that you're uh, my guest for this episode because I've only played the base game. I have uh, one of the expansions, but I haven't actually busted it out yet. So I'm hoping for some of the things maybe I complain about in my review but you could be like, hey, the expansion fixes that. <laughs> okay, okay, no problem. Uh, but real quick, before we jump into the review, I do want to thank some of our Patreon supporters. Uh, we do have a uh, Patreon page at patreon.com slash one stop. A lot of nice perks on there, like early access to our videos, voting on which games we play, even playing with us on Tabletop Simulator. So uh, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, uh, we would love to support. But today I'm thanking Dirk Summer who is a co-op fan, Philip Yu, who is a co-op lover, and Seneca Lindsay, who is a co-op champion. So Dirk, Philip, and Seneca, thank you to the three of you. Thank you to everyone who supports us, uh, especially in these more trying financial times. I'm always blown away by the generosity of the board game community and especially our patrons. Uh, We really appreciate all of you. And speaking of our Patreon patrons, one of them has a message. This is from Dennis, and he wants to say to his two children, Colin and Blake, Dad wants you to know that this show is why you don't get Christmas presents. A real uh, inspiring message there. (laughs) So thanks, Dennis, for your support. All right, so let's jump into our review of Dark Souls, the card game. Uh, Derek, you're our guest. You want to uh, take it away. What's uh, one of the first things that sticks out to you about the game?
1: Um, So I created a pros and cons list that's more than five, but I'll not narrow it down to five. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> uh, the one thing I, I'll say that, that let's start off with the positives, right? So the positives of that is... The way that the style of the game is made, it leaves itself open to so much content. So far, there's four bosses in each expansion, so that's eight, and then four bosses in the beginning. You have this ability, so there's 12, but there's still more to go. I mean, they haven't covered everyone. They can have Dark Sun, Gwenlyn, the Four Kings, uh, the Lord of Cinder. They can, have, they can continuously make content for this game, as long as they keep it fresh with new abilities, and functions, I think the room for content improvement is massive here for them to keep churning out. And this can turn into a TC uh, an LCG if they play it properly.
0: Yeah, and I totally agree with you. Again, not having played the expansions, I'm just kind of uh, impressed by the amount of content and the new ideas, like looking at the rules for traps and terrain and invaders. And like you said, the fact that you're getting as many uh, bosses in each expansion as you get in the base game And I think uh, two new player decks and classes in each expansion, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and four in the base game. So totally agree with you there. I'll start out with a positive uh, as well. This is my number five. Uh, This is focused on the cooperative play. The game does play true solo or solo with multiple hands, but uh, having played it cooperatively, I think it works really well in a lot of ways. First of all, one of my favorite ways people uh, do cooperation is the turn structure is very fluid. So uh, during a fight... You can each, like, attack once. You can each move one space. You can each discard cards and redraw. But figuring out who wants to move where and how, like, you can get out of my way so I can attack that guy. And then uh, you can move up here because uh, the enemy attacks, except for the bosses, are set and very, like, clear in whether they attack the front row or the back row, whether they attack the left or the right side. You can do a lot to spread out the damage between players cooperating together. Also, in the uh, the leveling up, you know, you have to divide up the items, and it's usually pretty obvious, like, my is better at red stamina and your character's better at blue stamina, so you'll get the dagger and I'll get the, you know, healing item. But still, like, figuring out how you want to distribute the souls and who's going to level up with stamina cards with them I just think the game plays really well cooperatively. Solo is cool too, but we'll get into kind of more of those details later. But that was my first thing. I thought they did a nice job with the cooperative play. It's the the kind of game I want to play cooperatively where you're talking to each other a lot, making plans together, dividing things up together, but the play is very quick and smooth because of the kind of integrated turn structure.
1: Yeah, yeah. And even in solo play, it scales very well because even uh, even though I get hit every single time because I'm the only butt guy there, it's... It's it's still an amount to mitigate the loss of your health. And, and like Mike was saying, your deck is your health. So when you run out of, when you can't draw any more cards, you die. So, um, and then you go back to the bonfire until the fifth time when you can't, after the fifth time when you can't, then game over. But um, the challenge is always there. The Dark Souls feel is there all the time. And when you play multiplayer, the thing that I really love about it, and you said it, Mike, is that, Table communication is a must to succeed. You can't say, okay, well, I'll be quiet and come up with my own thing over here because you're going to get your party killed. I was you was going to say you could, but you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to work together. And just that that ability to be able to, I think the amount of communication you have to have will make it a really great play experience for those who are taking it to the table with multiple people. Absolutely.
0: All right, so Derek, what's another one of your... uh, You want to do a a con this time or do another Sure.
1: Yeah, sure. I'll say um, the con, the battle board itself, it locks you into two bosses. Well, what if you want to mix and match? What if you say, uh, uh, you know, if you say, okay, well, I don't want to fight the uh, Moonlight Butterfly and then Sif. I want to fight the Moonlight Butterfly and the... um, I forgot his name because he killed me yesterday. The <laughs> pursuer, the pursuer, all right. And, and I just want to fight the pursuer. And so it's like I want to fight those two. I don't want to fight this, but you're locked in to fighting these two bosses no matter what you do. The one thing I would have liked to have seen is a better is if they so Dark Souls actually has a world map, and if the board would have been some variant of that world map or half of it that you could connect it all together to make a big world map for the expansions then people can fight whoever they want to fight in whatever order. As long as they defeat two, then they could call themselves victorious or they could go on a campaign and just try to beat them all. That to me is a, is a con that I'd have to where it's like, okay, when I'm going to play, this is all I can fight. I can't say I don't want to fight this guy. I want to fight somebody else.
0: Yeah. that That's, you know, I, I, I totally hear where you're coming from. My number six sort of like wasn't on my list, but almost made it on was whether this feels like dark souls. And, to an extent it does, because, like, clearly I recognize all the items and I recognize all the bosses as, like, someone who plays Dark Souls a lot. But, I mean, if, if I can kind of rephrase what you just said, I think in a way it feels very small and, like, maybe too tightly focused. Whereas I think of Dark Souls as kind of being this expansive world and having all this, like, exploration element. And I, I guess that's fine. They can't really, like, this isn't a dungeon crawler. You know, this isn't, like, a adventure game that I'm going to play over the course of, like... 20 uh, campaign missions but it'd be cool if it was in a way right Right, if they had that bigger scope but no yeah I, I, I totally get where you're coming from I think that makes a lot of sense alright so my uh, fourth one and I'm just gonna warn you right now Derek <laughs> All the recipes have an element of pro and con to them. Like I didn't have any more pure pros and any more pure cons because I have, as you'll see, I have mixed feelings on the game. But again, I would love uh, if if like the expansions change up some of them. I know this next one, they will. But my fourth one was the tactical movement. On the positive side, as I already said, with kind of the cooperative element, I think there's some cool choices in tanking damage. Uh, Not as much with solo, of course, because then it's just all on you. But with uh, cooperative play or even like multi-handed solo play, I think that works out really well. They also have this thing where enemies have sometimes area of effect attacks, which are all or nothing. You either get hit by them or they miss, whereas usually attacks will always hit you. So I kind of like being able to like avoid those. And you can only attack guys in your row, but unless you have ranged combat, people might get in your way. So I like all of that. Um, the negative for me is, first of all, I think the tactical board is only like at its most interesting when you do have... Uh, really three or four characters Yes. Um, and two kind of works. But yeah, with one, like a lot of it feels like it's neutered. Like this is not as much going on because you're by yourself on this little board and all that matters for you is like moving around and hitting people. But the other thing they have uh, push effects, which let you move people or enemies move you and they have area of effect attacks. And I've found in my uh, games at all player counts that there aren't enough items with those Like I was thinking, how cool would it be if I could, you know, if my character could push an enemy so that they're all in the back row. And then uh, this other character could do like a soul spear and hit all three of them. And the system has the elements to make that kind of cool combo, like cooperation happen. But I just felt like they didn't utilize enough uh, cards, especially in the player decks. Like there aren't enough items consistently that have effects that kind of rely on the tactical movement of the board to make it as interesting as it could have been,
1: and and they they did fix that in the latest expansion, Seekers of Humanity. The Warrior class, um, the Warrior class that you get to play, actually has his his one ability that he has is to be able to um, AOE the a, a row of your choosing. So you can either do all of the front row or all of the back row, and and he he has a card if you can find it, (laughs) but he has a card that does an AoE arc as well. So the warrior class was made to answer that question. But sadly, to your point, that's the only class that does that. The cleric doesn't have anything like that.
0: Now, how about, I know you had mentioned uh, one of the expansions has traps and terrain effects. Do they improve kind of the importance of a tactical map some for you?
1: Yes, very much so. Um, So basically on traps, whenever you draw a location card, you see, you know how you say, okay, if it's first player, one player, two player, three player, this is how many monsters you're going to fight. This is how many traps you're going to fight. Up in the right corner, there's a symbol for how many traps are on there. And what you do is, you pull a monster from that from the first level, and you see where that'll be positioned, where that attacks, and that's where the trap goes. And you can actually say, okay, because you know you position yourself on the map after you draw the card. So you draw the card, you see where traps are, and then you position yourself wherever you want to. But then you draw enemies, and if an enemy is in a column or in a column that you need to go to as a non-ranged um, attacker. You have to step on that trap.
0: Wow, <laughs> so, oh, I like
1: that. I like uh, that a lot. Yeah. So traps happen, and then um, the environmental effects also wreck havoc on the battle area because there's um, an attack that there's an environmental effect that says like you can't attack unless you're in the front row. So it negates the back row, or there's there's something that says um, whenever you attack. I think it says whenever you attack ranged, it costs more to do it. So like a fog that comes up. So there the environmental effects stay on the on that encounter. You don't like get rid of it after you beat it and put it away. It stays there.
0: Oh, that's also interesting because it, it, it kind of changes the evaluation of which encounters you want to go fight,
1: I guess, right? Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does because it'll be, okay, I could go to this level one where there is an environmental encounter that makes it really hard for me as a sorcerer to fight anything. Or I can go to that level 2 encounter. I'm going to go to that level 2 encounter. So it does change up how I plan how I move forward in dealing with it and the traps themselves like that whole dynamic thing of saying you go over here, you might it might say you go over here but you're going to have to spring that trap. And when you spring that trap Bad things happen always. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot. All right, Derek. So, how about you? What's your uh, number three?
1: Um, my number three is it's more outside of the play of the game and more of the storage of the game. The storage solution is lacking heavily for this. I mean, <laughs>
0: well, yeah, you, you, you don't like their little like cardboard
1: cutout. <laughs> this three set cardboard cutout. You know, people sleeve their cards. So they have this card that that barely holds them and the box is not high enough. So you go online and say, okay, well, all that's really there is this living card game box, which barely fits and still doesn't do the job. Um, I wish they would have, I'm not looking for them to have insets or for someone like Broken Token to create an inset, but more that the box was made to just kind of, throw cards in a Ziploc bag and throw them in there, which I'm not big on that. I'm more organized than that. Uh, So their storage solution is lackluster. You'll have to come up with a storage solution of your own.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I'll kind of add on to that. Uh, This also didn't, like, make my list, but... I, I understand why they wanted to go for very black cards, you know, like on all the oh, borders. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know if you found with your set. I felt like the need to sleeve mine very quickly because yes. I'm just really worried about the cards, like showing wear and tear on the uh, sides and the corners. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. They
1: aren't they aren't the they aren't the best made cards, um, but they they are playing card style. So, but not high gloss or any type of matte finish. Yeah. They're just cards. But so I would. Highly recommend you sleeve them when you buy them. Yeah,
0: absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of a component warning for number three in a a couple ways. (laughs) (laughs) So my number three is uh, zooming in on the bosses and the enemies. So on the positive side, I like how quick the enemy turns are to resolve. I like, just to bring it up again, I like how you have to kind of tank for them and they're predictable in how they attack. I like uh, the variety and that like some of them are invisible and you can't attack them. Uh, some of them have much higher damage or status effects. Uh, some of them have much like lower damage but are more tanky, and uh, they also have different weaknesses. So like different weapons will work differently, which again works great for the cooperation. Like hey, you're good against this enemy. I'm good against uh, that one. So I like all of that stuff, and also the bosses feel varied. Again, this is just the four from the uh, the core game, but they they have different like little cool. Tweaks and quirks to each of them, like some of them you kill them once and they flip over and they heat up and they're like way stronger after that. Uh, some of them have like little helpers you have to deal with. So yeah, I, I like all of that. The negative side is that the bosses can be frustrating because they move randomly and especially in true solo. I'm sure you've seen this, Derek. Like if they just jump two rows out, two columns over to where you can't reach them. <laughs> that's yeah that's like anti-fun <laughs> for a yeah. return uh i mean it's not too terrible you just run to the middle and then you'll probably be able to get them next time right yeah, like but but them jumping around it's a cool mechanic but because there's no real predictability i guess unless you memorize like all eight or nine of their cards like that could be a little frustrating and the other thing is um and this i guess kind of goes to players and enemies i feel like the uh the status effects are a wasted opportunity yeah because yeah they have they have four of them and uh uh, let's see, I think uh, Stagger means when you attack, you take a damage. Uh, frostbite means when you move, you take a damage. Uh, poison means you automatically take a damage. Bleeds means you take plus one damage next time someone attacks you. But here's the thing, they're all the same damn
1: thing. <laughs> <laughs> they are. You're you're absolutely right. It is a like, like waste ni- yeah,
0: like, of Like 90% of the time. Like a few times I'll be frostbitten and I'll choose not to move and it'll be interesting. You know, or a couple of times... Like, I'll be bleeding, but my my friends will tank for me, so I won't get the plus one damage. But by and large, especially when you use them on enemies, they're all the friggin' same thing. So I, I wish that, like, it had been a little bit more creative, because it's one of the ways they try to differentiate enemies, but it all feels the same.
1: It all, yeah. <laughs> You took one of my cons. That was definitely one of my cons that I had. Oh, with man. Well, I, well, you
0: have a long list. You can just jump it <laughs> <out>. a
1: <laughs> But it was definitely true that, that I found, okay, I get staggered, I'm going to lose a health. I get wounded, I'm going to lose a health. Um, I get poisoned, I'm going to lose a health. There's right. nothing that really, uh, if I get frostbitten, I, I won't move or I'll lose a health. There's There's nothing that really builds diversity into that for you to feel anything's different other than it's a different status effect. All
0: right, uh, Derek. What's your number two, or or another one you want to talk about? I know your list is a little different.
1: (laughs) Card luck. Yes. Well, yeah. Card luck can cause your demise so quickly, (laughs) (laughs) and and I think that was the one thing. I I know in a few of your reviews that you do your five minute, your your quick reviews is that you talk about dice luck and card luck and luck of the draw. Uh, Card luck is a positive and a negative of Dark Souls. You are going to Be frustrated whenever you pull nothing but stamina cards, or you're gonna be frustrated when you pull nothing but weapon cards and can do nothing except for discard something that you're going to need later because you have a limited amount of weapons in your deck. So it's it's just I think the card luck is gonna frustrate people sometimes, um, because it'll either balance out and they'll draw really great and have a good or they'll have a good strategy on what they want to do, but just the card luck isn't there or that they're just going to draw really great and roll through the monsters because they have a weakness to precise or skilled or, or heavy and just mash them out. But the card luck is going to be a pro and a con for me. Um, I, I wish there was a better way to mitigate it, but it is what it is.
0: Yeah, and that's. I'll talk more about that in a second because it's definitely showing up. <laughs> but needless <laughs> to say, I agree with you. Uh, so my number two, which is still, like I said, all of these are kind of mixes for me because I have pros and cons to each. But this one is the one that I think uh, lends, it's almost a full-on pro for me. So it's very close. And that's how your characters upgrade and how you uh, build your decks. So I kind of mentioned this in the beginning, but in the game, you have uh, stamina cards, which power your items. And you have uh, the items, which like actually determine how much damage you deal or how much uh, damage you prevent or healing effects or what have you. And I like that split. I like that you're kind of leveling up in two ways, but it's all in the same deck and that uh, you get to figure out the right combo of both, like find kind of the type of items that you're best at and work with them. And in a way, I think, uh, see if you agree with me on this, Derek, I think solo, like true solo is more interesting for that because you have the really tough choice of do I diversify a ton to accommodate all the items I get because you're going to get items in every color or do I be like, all right, well, that that sword is amazing, but it's not good for my class. I'm not going to use it. You know, which I I think actually does, uh, (laughs) it does call to mind that Dark Souls feel of like where your build is right. You know, like, oh man, I've been punching intelligence, but that strength sword looks ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: So I I do really like that. Uh, The negative side of it, but again, it's a minor negative. This is mostly a pro for me. In fact, let's just say it's a full-on pro. But I do want to say that um, I don't know if it feels different enough when I play the same class again, especially in co-op where I can like be like, hey, you get all the purples and I'll get all the blues. Like if I play the assassin again, I'm going to take the same general kinds of cards. I'm going to have the same general type of effects. So I don't know if like the variety is great for the deck building on repeated plays of the same character. But that being said, I do think that overall, I really enjoy the deck building and kind of like construction in this game. And especially, you know, going against my number five, I think for true solo is where it is most interesting and gives presents the uh, toughest choices of all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, I, I found that that trying to diversify, so I'm not a min-maxer at all. I just play for fun, right? But I, I know a lot of min-maxers and um I, they they whisper in my ear as I go to buy from the deck. As no, you just need to get what you need. So I, I end up in that thing where I'm like, okay, I am a heavy fighter. I need strength, and I need um, I need strength decks and intelligence. That's what I'm going for. So I end up buying those and building this hand that just does that. But diversifying, if I try to diversify, then what ends up happening is I've got five times to go to the bonfire, right? So how much can you diversify and is it enough to get your deck milled well enough to make use of those others so you can use that sword that's ridiculous because you might just be able to get that one faith where you can just say the sword needs a faith and two strength. Okay. Here's this one faith. I hope I draw it. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah. 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 Well, actually I will add kind of going off what you
0: just said, I do like uh, there for those who are listening, there are two stamina cards and or uh, two cost stamina cards and five cost stamina cards. The five costs give you both of two colors of stamina and the, uh, the two cost ones are an or you get this color or that color. And I do like that a lot, especially for this kind of true solo thing we're talking about because the twos totally work for that. You know, you can get a crud ton of twos, basically fill your entire deck with two souls pretty easily to where you always have, like, the flexibility to usually use all your items, even if you get a lot of different ones. Whereas the fives are when you want to, like, go monocolor. It's like, all I'm going to do is smash. <laughs> 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 all right, so Derek, one more thing. You hit one of my biggest already, but what's something else that really stands out to you about this game?
1: Um, to me, it's the replayability. Um, this is This is a con to me. Um, the replayability isn't there. Uh, so I want to replay the game until I beat the boss. Then when I beat the boss, I will not replay the game. So I think because there are three expansions and there are um, 12 bosses so far, then well, two expansions in, in the core game and 12 bosses, then what you'll basically do is you're going to bring it to the table with your, um, with your friends, your group, or solo, however you're going to do it, and you're going to play through until you beat all twelve, and then you, and then that's it. Because all you're going to be doing is rehashing the same thing again. There's no, uh, there's nothing new past that. So I think it's made to just be played until you beat the bosses and master it, and then after that, that's it.
0: That's interesting. I, I didn't feel the same way. I, I do have some complaints about replayability overall, but I didn't mind. I think I did the same like set of bosses in the core game. I did each of them three or four times and it was more the characters that I felt got samey. Whereas I didn't really mind like fighting the same bosses. I guess once I saw their tricks, there was nothing really exciting there, but it was still kind of fun to fight them. But I totally hear you. I don't think the game has the best replayability. I think especially without the, uh, without the expansions, I think you don't really have enough going on necessarily, but I'm getting into final thoughts. Let me give my number one real quick, and then we can uh, kind of finish up for the game. So my number one is a mix of what you already said, Derek, about luck, but also with the card play. So let's start with the con side of it. Uh, Derek, you said it really well. Sometimes you don't draw what you need. The game does have a uh, a mechanic for mulliganing, where at the start of each fight, if you don't have any weapons, you can uh, discard your old hand and draw again. But guess what? You can only do it once. And if you still don't have a weapon good for you (laughs) yeah but even if you do get the weapon in the beginning uh the cards have the choice generally to either do a quick action where you keep the item in your hand or a standard action where you have to discard it which is like a kind of a cool choice so you can like you know play your one weapon and then not get another weapon because all of them are on the bottom of your deck and you can't mulligan at that point so it's definitely like a little frustrating now, I'll say in solo, it didn't bother me that much because I was either controlling multiple characters, so at least one of them was doing something, or at least my turns were ultra fast. But in co-op, it's really a downer when like one player is just not able to do anything and it's not fast because they have to wait for the rest of you to take your turns and all the enemies to do their stuff. Like in my last uh, three-player game, there was somebody who was just doing nothing for like two turns straight. That wasn't fun, <laughs> you know? Um... But on the other side, I do love, I really like the card play itself. I'm a huge fan of the, like, cards are your life idea. And I think the choices here of which effects to power, like, do I want to use this sword and keep it in my hand or do I want to discard it? How much damage do I want to do? How many of those color stamina cards do I have left? And when enemies deal damage, you have to discard cards from your hand at the top of your deck. Do I want to discard from the top of my deck? Oh, man, that card went. I needed that one. Like this kind of like that tension and that push your luck kind of feel to it. I like all of that. So, you know, when the deck is not going your way, it can be super frustrating. But a lot of the time I like kind of the card play and just managing your life overall. Derek, what are your what are your kind of final thoughts on this game? You've been playing it a lot on your channel. Is this one you would recommend to people? Like, what, what do you kind of think if you tried to encapsulate the whole experience?
1: Even if um, even if I see it as the replayability, meaning after you've beaten the core game, all the bosses, you've beaten the Forgotten Pass, all the bosses, you've beaten Seekers of Humanity, all the bosses, it's still a wild ride. It's still fun. Um, the card luck is there, but. It is there for any game of this style. Uh, but I still think that it's fun to play, bring it to the table, take it to whether it's solo or three-player, and I believe Board Game Geek said three-player is the best out of their review. So if you can get it to three players, you've got a nice synergy going, and you could play it really well. But if you're saying, okay, I've only got me and my me and my friend or me and my partner or me and my son or me and my daughter, and I want to... Um, I want them to play and it's one to two player. That works fine too. Or if you're like me and it's like, okay, I just got me. So I'm just going to play solo. <laughs> then that works fine as well. Cause it scales really well. You'll have a lot of fun with it. You will get your money's worth. The, don't get me wrong. And don't think me saying there's no replayability means that you'll waste money. You'll get your money's worth. It's just, um, I, I think it's, I think it's a really great game. I think they headed in the right direction. Some more tweaks can make it better. Um, but other than that, I think it's well worth the cost.
0: Yeah. And I generally agree with you. I think especially since the core set is fairly inexpensive online that I had a ton of fun with this at first. I did like you find it fading some probably around play four or five is where I was like, oh, this might not be enough. So I think like Derek said, you might want to kind of consider if you want more plays, are you willing to spend as much as it'll cost you to get the expansions? And if you're not, maybe don't invest in the core set in the first place, or you know, watch a playthrough, watch, watch uh, Derek playing it, and <laughs> <Exactly>. see. <laughs> um, and the other thing, the the thing that does kind of conflict me with this one is, I think it's kind of at its most interesting tactically when you play cooperatively, like you said, Derek, with three players but I think it's kind of at its best deck building wise with one player. So I don't think it sings with either one. I don't think it hits its sweet spot either way. <laughs> you know? So that, that's, that's a little unfortunate, I guess. Like the game isn't at, it's kind of like the status effect. Like there's kind of like a missed opportunity here. Or like you said, like having a wider world to explore. I feel like this game is like 80% of the way there. And it's pretty, it's pretty fun for what it is. But man, if they'd gotten at the other twenty percent, I think this game would crush. You know? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: <laughs> All right, so you know, modest recommendation for both of us, I think. I think both of us definitely would recommend you try it. And then uh, see how much you want to kind of buy into the system after that. And I, I know it's on Tabletop Simulator. I, I tried some of the mods. They're pretty crappy. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that's not going to really like tell you if you love the game or not. But I mean, they're they're passable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is Dark Souls, the card game. And now, uh, Derek, we're going a little long. But uh, if you don't mind, you want to talk a bit about content creation? Just kind of how that is in our lives? Sure.
1: Sure. Sure. Let's talk about it.
0: All right, so uh, why don't you go first? Um, how, how long ago did you uh, start Kanji Studios? We heard the story, but uh, how long have you been
1: making content? You say you do about three videos a week. I am. I think I've been out roughly about a month now, maybe almost two months. Um, uh, I didn't realize I'd gotten you so close to the beginning, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just recently started. Um, I, but... uh, if you go to his channel,
0: uh, Derek's channel, you'll see that uh, you you have a lot of, like, videos uh, <laughs> scheduled. So I was like, oh, my gosh, look at all these videos. I guess I didn't realize that.
1: <laughs> it's yeah. still fairly new. Yeah, yeah. I started with my first um, playthrough, which is uh, cringy, and that was in May, in May 23rd. On May 23rd, I, um, I played Unbroken, and I found Unbroken, guess through where? So I find that um, your channel plays a lot of the games that, it's not the big budget games, right? It's but it's games that's just as good and just as great and just as fun, but just don't get the spotlight shined on them a much.
0: And, well, and I guess if Unbroken got a spotlight, it was
1: the the poop
0: spotlight for their, <laughs> their Kickstarter yeah. delivery.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. After I after I watched the Unbroken um, the Unbroken playthrough, and I think Colin did that one. I watched the. uh, I went and I looked on their Kickstarter, and I saw people complaining left and right. So what I did, so what I did was I I laid back, but only for the print play. So I didn't have to wait for any of that. I got the print and play. I bought some cardstock paper. I printed it out, and then I did my playthrough. <laughs> so so, so was, you,
0: you didn't get any like uh, aggressive calls from the publisher or anything like
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, nothing. That was only for uh, that was only for Black Rose Wars, right? If you hear about that. So, uh, <laughs> but I started on May 23rd, and um, after I did it. I was just like, okay, let me put it up here. And I noticed that someone watched it and then somebody liked it. And then my son actually looked at it and he was like, hey, you're, you're, I like what you're doing. So I kept going and I found that I was really enjoying myself doing it. So I just kept doing it. And I've, been, I've basically been in it since May. That's great, man. And by the way, <laughs> how old is your son? Uh, He's eight. He's going to be nine this month.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I've got a seven-year-old, going to be eight in September, and then a four-year-old. The four-year-old, not much of a gamer. <laughs> the <laughs> seven-year-old, seven-year-old, I can coax into playing things sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, my my son, he wants to play um, – a lot of the games I have are more adult, like uh, Deep Madness, which I don't think he's ready for, or Gloomhaven as well. But we play games like um, Splendor. We play uh, Five Minute Dungeon. We play Skip Bow. We play – I mean, we just – Whatever, you know, as he's as he's being able to have the attention to stick around and play more, I start adding in different games for him to try. And he really likes it. And he's always like, hey, dad, come on, daddy, let's play a game. So we go play board games. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: great. So for those not familiar, uh, hopefully they'll go and check out your channel. But uh, you, we know you live stream and you said you kind of talk to the people as you play. So like just kind of describe like your format. What do your videos look like? How do you kind of structure them?
1: Um, So a lot of people, I noticed that whenever they do playthroughs, they do talk and then they remove themselves out of the camera. So you just see their hands in the table. I want it to be a little bit more personal and I don't fault them for doing that at all. That's that's perfectly fine. And it works. I I just wanted to to be a little bit more personal so they could see me. Um, even though I, I get that, you know, I, kind of put myself in the mindset of I'm sitting in a room, like in the front of a conference room and there's a, you know, like when you, uh, you look out and you just see seats and and heads, but you can't make out faces. I, that's how I picture it. So when I sit down, that's where I am in the front on stage. And I talk to the people in the audience. Sometimes they laugh with me. Uh, sometimes they, they tell me that I'm doing something incorrect, but I'm like, okay, well, let's correct. Cause we're having some fun. And then I just keep going with it. Um, just being able to, it, it's, it's a weird feeling doing live streaming. This is the first thing I've ever done that was live streamed or live or anything. I wasn't in plays, <laughs> I, I, I didn't do any acting. I didn't do any voice work, as you can tell, because my voice is not the greatest. So, it, it, you know, it was nothing like that. It was just more um, stepping out and just doing it and seeing how it goes. And it's been fun. I got to meet some really nice people. Um, this board gaming community is the most amazing thing ever. They are so friendly, so kind, and so nice. There's no one that's going to troll you and if they i mean you got to have thick skin because people will not like something you did or, or or they'll be that one-off but by and large the community is just they want to play they want to talk they want to converse and and it just feels so nice and welcoming
0: yeah no, that's i totally agree with you about the community I also, by the way, was an actor and have done voiceovers. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have was, to let me
1: know what you did.
0: I mean, I, no, I was just that theater nerd on like stage and stuff. Nothing you could uh, go and watch. So don't try to <laughs> don't, don't try to find me on YouTube except for the stuff I put up there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. I, I have to say, I've only done uh, a few live streams. Like I did some of the Shelf Life episodes live, and then uh, Jeremy Howard from Man vs Meeple and I did like a live episode. But the only live play I did was of a choose-your-own-adventure game, and actually, like, had them making the choices, like, oh, m- like nice. majority opinion, and that was pretty fun. Like, I, <laughs> I enjoyed that. But That's I, I find
1: it—I find it so
0: stressful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think. I think the one thing of it is that. Um, so I'm an extrovert, and so being in being like extroverts like to you know even though people are not around to drive the energy. I imagine that they are, so that drives my energy up. So I actually feel more relaxed as I do it. Uh, it's I don't feel stressed at all. Today, after I did the Jaws of the Line playthrough and that insane se- um, episode four or scenario four session that happened, the whole time, like, as soon as I finish it, I'm completely pumped up on adrenaline. So I'm trying to place the sticker on the board and my hand's shaking because of, like, <laughs> all the adrenaline's going through me. And you can see it on the playthrough. It's just hilarious. And so I get done with that stream and I have to run – I have to go get some food because in an hour I'm doing another stream. Um, because my uh, – to to because I made – I'm off of work this today. So I was like, okay – I'm going to play through two and just see how it goes, because that's the first time I've ever done it. And I run downstairs and I tell my girlfriend, I'm like, I, hey, it was so great. It was so. And so she's like, calm down. OK, it's all right. And so it, it just energizes me. I, I'm i not stressed at all when I'm doing. I love it so much.
0: I got to say, that sounds amazing, because I just I think I've talked about this before, but how I do my. uh my kind of recording is my kids don't go down until eight thirty or nine generally. Mm-hmm. And I've got a roommate in our house. I got my wife in our house. They're doing their stuff. So I'll just kind of cloister myself in a room in the basement and, you know, I'll be recording and doing stuff until like 1am sometimes. And this is like, even during like the, the work week, you know, back right now, I'm a, I'm a teacher, so I'm not working much right now, just some summer work. But yeah, like I'll just be up super late and it'll be very lonely. <laughs> you know? I'll still get into the game. I'll try to have fun with it and not be like boring for the camera. But yeah, I can see what you mean. Like the, the camaraderie and the support. Because I don't get people telling me the uh, rules mistakes as I make them. I get them afterwards being like, hey, dummy, you should have done this. But I'm like, yep, that, that definitely makes me feel stupid now. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah they've i've I've gotten that after a stream so usually there are a few people who um uh who don't watch the stream when it happens so they watch it after and um there's a really great guy named steven on the um games of kill force site and i remember when he watched my first one he was like it was him and this and this and this one other uh dragon guy who they were just like just to let you know, loved your playthrough here's what you did wrong, here is like three paragraphs of my mistake <laughs> and so I was like cool, okay, and instead of being down about it, I was just like alright, cool, I'm a, I'll am take that I'll fix it, I went on the Games of Phil Kill Foresight and said, thank you for your feedback I love it, that's how I learn and then the next playthrough I said, here's what I messed up on and I fixed it all and continued playing, and so it's that getting that, even if the feedback comes later, getting that feedback is is immense because I don't want to play the game wrong, and I'm sure somebody who's going to watch this video at some point or happen along, it's just like how I found um, your channel, right? I was just happening along looking at different board games and pop, one-stop one stop co-op shout comes up. And if I watch that video and the rules are incorrect... And it's not said so in the comments or it's not said so in your captions where, you know, you go back and edit and say, "Okay, I should have done this instead. Then I would have been playing that game wrong. So I like when the community comes back and tells me how to fix what I did so that somebody else coming in later can be like, cool. And when they play that game, they can get that enjoyment.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a really great point because we are. I mean, anyone creating content, anyone doing playthroughs, you have the chance to be the person who you know teaches them that game to some extent, and and sends forth a terrible rules mistake for all time in the ether, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, it's. I'm curious for you, Mike. I'm curious for you, though, Mike. Um, in terms of you know, like you said, you have your wife, your roommate, um, your kids and stuff, and even though you do content earlier, do you find that? um the content that you're doing and the time that you're able to do it to be a little bit i guess how do you feel about that like in terms of okay well i have to go down in the basement and i'm up until 1 or 2 in the morning recording new content for the hobby that i love so much how does that scale with you like are you feeling like oh well i wish i had more time to do more or and what's and what's the balance like how do you find the balance
0: so first of all it does feel a lot like a second job but it's a second job that I adore. <laughs> like, I feel a heavy obligation to to post stuff to the channel. Like, I feel like I need to make my videos. I need to, like, cover these games. If somebody sends me a review copy, I can't, like, sit on that forever. You know what I mean? So that that part feels like a little bit of a job. and And I spend... I mean, I I was trying to tabulate it. You know, if if you count the time I'm playing the games to learn them and so I can review them, plus the time I'm recording, plus the time I'm editing, plus the time I'm on all our social media, like just kind of uh, advertising and talking to people and helping people. It's it's like 20 to 25 hours a week, which is a lot, (laughs) you know. But here's the thing, like 80% of that time is playing games and... One of the rules, we don't talk about this too often, but you know, I make it very clear whenever I like talk to a publisher or somebody that wants to send us a game, I'm like, I don't guarantee positive coverage. I you know, I might say I hate your game, but I'll try to kind of give a balanced view of who would like it and who might not. But the thing is, for anybody who sends wants to send a game to us, I ask to see the rule book first. And if I think right off the bat, this game is going to be terrible, then I don't accept it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, well, I don't think I'll like this. I don't think I'm right, the, the right person for you because I'm a game designer too. And I've had games on Kickstarter and I know how much your heart and soul is tied up in that. And I don't want to be the person who crushes someone, you know? <laughs> so with that being said, my point with all of that blathering is that I tend to play games that I enjoy, you know, like I, I, I'm i not spending a ton of time playing like these painful games and then reviewing and being like, this game is trash. I regret the eight <laughs> hours I spent learning it and playing it. So, so it's it's a ton of gut time, but I'm playing more games than I ever did before. I'm playing like more varied games than ever before. So it's it's really invigorating. It, I don't have maybe the same like social invigoration that you get from uh, the live streaming, but I, I mean, even even as a game designer, I love seeing new mechanics and seeing clever ideas and being like, man, I could never have thought of that. This person did such a cool thing here. You know, and, and thinking, oh, I want to do something like that. I want to riff on that idea for my next game design. So I guess that helps maybe the fact that I came, I like, I was a game designer first before I did any of the content creation. So I'm kind of coming at it from that that mindset, if that makes sense. Yeah, I
1: don't know if I answered your question, Derek. <laughs> I kind of rambled all over the place. No, you did. You did. No, oh, no, you did fine. You did perfectly fine. I was just more curious as to that because, like I said, I just started. You've been doing it for. You've been doing that way longer than I am. So I'm kind of, you know, gaining understanding, listening to uh, uh, you, uh, Jeremy Howard, all these other people who've come way before me and and doing fantastic work. And I I just want to understand that mindset of, you know, what's it like from your perspective? What's the what's the industry like from your perspective what does the um, youtube family and the community look like from your perspective
0: yeah i mean I, I think i think it is amazing like you said like people are generous people are kind sometimes they're not kind but then you can just block those people and then it's still kind <laughs> hopefully you haven't had to uh, block anybody yet derek uh, from your channel but that's always that, that's always fun when that happens <laughs> uh not yet yeah yeah <laughs> All right, so we're going a little bit long, but uh, Derek, thanks for sharing your stuff. Please go check out Kanji Studios, everybody. I'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, Derek's doing great live playthroughs over there. Go chat with him as he plays. See his facial expressions. I love that aspect of your channel. And uh, Derek, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, just kind of sharing uh, the stresses of uh, another content creator (laughs) and, uh, yeah, talking about Dark Souls the card game.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Mike. It's been an awesome pleasure and a privilege. I'm super excited. Uh, I I enjoy the One Stop co Shop. Everyone should go check out the One Stop co Shop if you haven't already. Um, Mike, Baird, Colin, all of them have just been fantastic the entire time. And um, check out Kanji Studios. Let me know uh, what you think. And yeah, I'll... See you, you know, insert catchphrase here of take care of each other or whatever else people say. <laughs> now, Derek, what, uh, what games do you have coming up soon? I know you said you're
0: playing Jaws of the Lion. You have uh, Dark Souls every Sunday. What else can people go check out on your channel?
1: So Dark Souls Sundays ends this Sunday, which will be the final Dark Souls playthrough, which is the Seekers of Humanity finale. And um, I'm putting the entire decks together and playing it all. Um, then Jaws of the Lion's coming up on Tuesday. I'm doing One Deck Dungeon on Thursday, and then the new Sunday uh, show will be Deep Madness Sunday, and I will be playing through the entire Deep Madness campaign.
0: Uh, Deep Madness is a great game. That that's exciting, man. That's a big campaign too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I have. I don't know much about it. I've just been reading the rule book, but it sounds intense. It is. It is very intense (laughs) and a little scary sometimes, and you'll probably die. (laughs) (laughs) Most likely. Most likely if my Dark Souls playthroughs have anything to say about it.
0: All right, uh, Derek, such a pleasure having you on. And to everyone out there, thanks for listening. Go check out Kanji Studios. Uh, Check out the videos on One Stop Co-op Shop. Uh, Support us on Patreon if you like. Uh, Good gaming, everyone. We will see you at the next stop. And Derek, we'll definitely have to have you on to talk another game sometime in the future. Of course, of course. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. If you want to reach out to us, the best place to talk to us all is on the Slack. See the show notes for details. Also, you can support us on Patreon check out patreon.com slash one stop. Thanks for listening and we'll see you all next week with another top five list.